Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest wore a, a tasteful charcoal black uh, tuxedo at his junior-senior prom. Aha. And, uh, which may have triggered some recollections, some memories of a sort of time in growing up that led to his current novel ah. called One Mississippi, which kind of like a, was, it, was that a play Blue Hotel? No, uh, Hotel Baltimore or Hotel where the letters fell off. Anyway, you don't know that. No, no. Anyway, it's a signage joke. Ah. <laughs> anyway, my next guest has, has uh, written uh, several other uh, novels, and his uh, current one is called One Mississippi. His other books include Gone for Good, Crazy in Alabama, which was also made into a film with uh, Melanie Griffith, uh, Tender, sort of inspired by Elvis Presley, V for Victor, and A World Made of Fire. He also has a couple of really interesting online sites where he's called a lens master. I'm not quite sure what that's about, uh, but we'll ask him. Will you please welcome Mr. Mark Childress to West Coast Live. Thank you very much for coming down here to the Ferry Building to be with us. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. The, uh, the, what is a lens master? I have no idea. I'm just online trying to promote this book any way I can. <laughs> But you've got like a website linked with the Beatles in some way. Yeah, it was just a, another way to make a buck, you know? I was trying, trying my best. It's a thing called Skidoo, and I don't know what it's supposed to be, but somebody told me to go sign up for it. It's like MySpace. The kids are into it. So, you know, these and kids today. These kids today, of which you're one, clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so do you, and you, you write a blog, and you keep people apprised of what you're doing? I do, and they make fun of me in tomorrow's New York Times for doing that. It's so much great. It's oh, fun. really? Have you already seen the article? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. online this morning. I was up early checking. You know, auto-googling is kind of a, it's a dangerous sport. You can get carried away with it. So who makes fun of you for doing this? Um, actually, it's the columnist in the New York Times book review, so now I've just sort of, you know, told you all to go find it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> he says my, my website is like demented haiku. I think that might be a compliment. I'll take it. Yeah, you know, yeah. publicity. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Is it. Is it is it difficult out slogging for a book nowadays? You know, you're so lucky if they ask you to go that you're not really allowed to complain about it. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was I just came back from Alabama, you know, a part of the country where macaroni and cheese is considered a vegetable, <laughs> and you know, to be out here where they have organic pesticides, you know, it's kind of <laughs> it's a it's a change, you know. But, uh, no, it's a lot of people saying things that they think are really nice to you, you know, like uh, our, I ran into our old next-door neighbor, and she said, you look more like your daddy every day. Now, I'm not saying that you're fat, <laughs> but you are heavy. <laughs> to which the only possible answer is, thank you. Right. <laughs> thank you. She's 80 years old. What can you say? Thank you. <laughs> well, and, and you spent a lot of time in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I lived there for eight years. Uh, and then I had to get out of that jungle and get to New York City, which is a whole different kind of jungle. But yeah, Costa Rica was great. Why'd you have to leave Costa Rica? Well, uh, you know, I don't want to discuss that on the air because they, they might track me down. Yeah. But uh, no, they, you know. It, Why, why'd you go there in the first place? I went on vacation and sort of never came home. And the great thing about being a novelist is you can do it anywhere in the world. And I've always believed that I should take advantage of that. You know. which, which book did you write while you were in Costa Rica? Gone for Good. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is a <laughs> which has a double meaning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but then it was just time for me to come back. You know, eight years in the jungle. I wanted to be within two subway stops of Grand Central Station. So that's where I live now. Is in New York. To, uh, and that was your choice. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, did you have any encounter with insects or anything in the jungle? Oh yeah, there was all sorts of giant grasshoppers and monkeys would come in the house and steal your fruit and things you know and um, anteaters were a problem more than the ants yeah but it, it was really a cool place to live you know they love Americans there which is very rare in the third world <laughs> so uh, no it was really cool I learned to speak Spanish and uh, just enough to say you know get me to New York <laughs> where the Spanish will come in handy yeah exactly no, I can now converse with my doorman that's great there's a, uh, uh, One Mississippi is a, is a book that is, uh, th there must be some memory in it, but also imagination. Uh, but there's also, I'm, I'm wondering what it was, it was like for you to try to imagine once again being in, you know, uh, you know a teenager's world. Well, it was kind of horrific because I spent four years in high school and then I spent eight years writing a novel about high school. So now I've spent 12 years of my life in high school. It's a total case of arrested development, you know? <laughs> it's time to move on. But... No, you know, every morning I would sit down and flip through the high school yearbook, and that was how I got myself back into that frame of mind. And I just still can't believe the hair, and I can't believe the plaid pants that they actually let us wear in the 70s. Do you think they would be for, plaid pants would be forbidden nowadays? Well, I just think we'd all have better sense than to wear them, you know. But, but at that time, I mean, you wore trousers up on your waist rather than down around your thighs, right? Absolutely, and they were polyester, so they kind of squeak when you walk, you remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The 70s was, was a great time for adolescent humiliation, you know? <laughs> and I was kind of an expert at it. And, and you chose to relive it. That's really... Uh... Absolutely. Well, it seems to me that high school is sort of the last thing we all go through together, you know, before we split off into the great world of adulthood, and yet nobody writes books about it for adults. They write books about it for high school students. But, uh, you know, I wanted to get past this collective amnesia and sort of explore that experience. So that's why I set about with One Mississippi. There's a, uh, there's a scene in here I'd, I'd like you to read. It involves a musical. I was thinking of Eric Davis, uh, one of our earlier guests, who's written a book about the visionary state. And one of his early ways of becoming familiar with Christianity was listening to his mother's recording of Jesus Christ Superstar over and over again. <laughs> That's where he learned, you know, the Bible stories. Yeah, well, this is, uh, yeah, the, these fellas are drafted by their high school algebra teacher to go uh, join in in a Christian musical called Christ. And uh, it's, uh, it, she describes it to him as being just like God's bell without all the profanity. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't mind um, you reading this scene here, and I'll just, uh, this is, uh, this will give sort of a flavor to people of one uh, Mississippi here. Oh, but could I please get Wesla up here to sing the songs? Oh, what did, what did you <laughs> Okay, so yeah, um, Eddie is the director of the play. He's also the writer, inventor, director, everything about it. So our two heroes are called Tim and Daniel. Right on, Eddie. Ready when you are. Okay, places, everyone. The double doors squealed and swelled inward to the river of talking, laughing men. Some flowed upstairs to throng the galleries, jamming into every inch of space, the air warmly heavy with their breathing. Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie bellowed, Full Flower Baptist Church is delighted to bring you the world premiere of an original musical based on the life of our Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Christ. He aimed an imaginary pistol at the combo and fired. 
and they're off. The first number was the finger tapping, finger snapping, toe tapping title song. From my place at the organ, I saw just a small slice of the audience, but those faces were mesmerized. If you're feeling sad and blue, who's got real good news for you? Who died on the cross for you? Christ! La la da da. <laughs> you see why I want Wesl up here? <laughs> the song ended with the boys on one knee, arms spread wide a la Al Jolson, while the girls grinned and twirled their streamer batons. Byron struck the final cymbal crash. The answering silence was not long, no more than three seconds, according to Tim. Then an explosion of indignation, surprise, outrage, applause. Some men stormed for the doors. Some of them really liked us, clapping, shouting, bravo. Mostly they thought we were hilarious. They roared. They bent over laughing. They slapped each other's backs, wiped tears from their eyes, broke up again, reliving their favorite moments. Eddie had an all-hope-abandoned look in his eyes. You could see him trying to interpret this uproar as good news, but then why were some people shaking fists at him? Those guys laughing so hard they held on to each other? What was so funny? I glanced at the cue sheet. Sixteen songs to go. The pedals grew heavy under my feet. What made me think this would be fun? Tim murmured, let's get out of here. I blinked, what? I can't watch this, Skippy. It makes my stomach hurt. We can't run away now. Why not? I spread my hands, indicating the other guys. We're part of this. We're the combo. The combo is us. No, 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 he said. This is pathetic. And hilarious, I said, isn't it? Just like we hoped it would be. Eddie waved for us to strike up the next song. Hey, Mary, guess what, sang Ted Herring. You're going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah, ready or not. I know you don't believe it. A commotion arose on the far side of the room, shoving chairs, heated voices. The song limped to a stop. Reverend R.T. Frederick put his hand on Eddie's shoulder. I just want to say I am terribly embarrassed, he said, that some of my brothers will not show you young people the same courtesy we would extend to the least among us. That's okay, really, said Eddie. We just want to do our show. A man called, but these children are blaspheming. You cannot allow this to go on. Reverend Frederick patted Eddie's shoulder. Your presentation is not quite what we were expecting, he said. We're accustomed to more traditional representations. Wait, you're going to love the next one, said Eddie, waving madly for us to start. Byron kicked off a bass beat. Here came Alicia Duchamp, sashaying out in her glamour virgin gown, be belting, Joseph, you've got to believe me. <laughs> Alicia's brassy voice went nicely with her pear-shaped bottom. She pranced around on high heels, giving saucy little kicks that quickly distracted the Bible students. The laughter began to dissipate. I saw appreciation setting in on some of the faces, or maybe something else. Alicia did look fine in that gown. The number ended in a spotlight on a high note, her head thrown back at a rakish angle, a big round of cheers. Could this musical be saved? We jumped into the quick tempo of third manger on the right, the whole cast on stage singing and dancing a farcical reenactment of Joseph and Mary's search for a room in Bethlehem. The slapstick and the animal costumes got some nice laughs. I thought I saw Reverend Frederick beginning to relax. The men who hated us the most had already left. Those who'd stayed were either laughing at us or laughing with us. And what difference did it make? They were laughing. The room felt warm through the first act, even warmer in the second. By the time Matt Smith sang, can I really be the son of God? It was hot in there, and the audience was on Matt's side. The stage filled with lepers humming the leper's song, every bit as gloomy as it sounds. I saw Carol Nason at the side of the stage fiddling with the hem of her Go Titans t-shirt. 
She looked around to see if anyone was watching, then peeled the T-shirt up over her head and smoothed the skirt of her whore dress. <laughs> when the lepers scampered off to dutiful applause, Carol ran on. The spotlight found her. Every man in the room sucked in air. The combo played the opening bars. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. Hello, boys, Carol cried. Dun, da, 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 da. I'm Mary Magdalene, and I'm bad. Eddie gaped. That line was not in the script. Dum, dun, da, 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 da. Carol strutted down the edge of the stage, dipping coyly, cutting eyes at the men gawking up at her. Hey, fella, what you up to tonight? Good to see you. Hey, handsome. Tim said, what is she doing? I do believe she's stripping. Unbelievable, look at her. She hadn't taken anything off yet, but she sure looks naked. Reverend Frederick sputtered into Eddie's ear, but Eddie was too busy adoring Carol's performance. His eyes flashed up at her, worshiping her. He'd been trying to get her to sing out since the first rehearsal, and boy, was she ever singing out, catwalking all over the stage in her wanton, dressed but naked condition. Not that kind of girl, no. I'm just clay and got hands to play with. I'm not that kind of girl, no. I've only got two hands to pray with. She was appalling and sexy. A living example of everything the Bible says, thou shalt not. <laughs> the men cheered and wolf whistled. Suddenly there was Reverend R.T. Frederick on stage behind her, brandishing a choir robe. He swept her up in it and ushered her off as the students hooted for an encore. Let her go, she's not done, cried a man in front. Oh, yes, she is. Show's over, my friends, he bellowed. By the time we got through the mob to that side of the room, Mrs. Passworth was shouting at Reverend Frederick, I don't care how offended you are, we're not going anywhere until our bus comes to get us. You invited us up here to perform, and that's what we were doing. Perhaps you could explain to me, he thundered, how anyone who calls herself a decent Christian could associate herself with that kind of blatant obscenity. Mrs. Passworth put her finger in his face. Listen, Buster, don't tell me what kind of a Christian I am. These children came up here to present their own version of the greatest story ever told. They were singing their hearts out for you. If you're that narrow-minded, well then, it's your loss. Madam, he huffed, I happen to know the difference between a young lady and a harlot. Mary Magdalene was a harlot, you idiot, she cried. Read your Bible, it's in there. What kind of a Bible college is this? <laughs> Reverend Frederick ran everyone out of the building, locked the doors, got in his car, and drove off without another word. A few Bible students were still hanging around outside with flashlights. They offered us to walk us back to town. Why, thank you, said Miss Passworth. At least there are some gentlemen. I thought you all did great, one man offered. Yeah, y'all done real good. Too bad some people couldn't appreciate it. <laughs> Mark Childress reading a scene from his new novel, One Mississippi. Quite a high school you were remembering. Yeah, yeah, I was just down in Jackson, Mississippi, and I was in such fear that my actual prom date would come to the signing, because <laughs> she's described in extremely unflattering terms, and actually she was a lot prettier than I was. So. <laughs> Luckily, she didn't turn up. You spent a lot of time in uh, Squaw Valley in the Sierra, uh, involved in the, in the writers' conference. How was that for you as a writer? Is it is it mostly social? Is it is it uh, play? Is it is it uh, work? Do you get inspiration there? Well, it's kind of like summer camp for writers. Uh -huh. You know, we get to go up there and drink, which <laughs> is what writers like to do, and especially talk. Yeah. I mean, at the end of every year, uh, it's a one-week conference. At the end of it, I always I have no voice. 
You know, I have a pounding headache, and I'm re-inspired to the service of literature. That's really great. It's just the coolest group of writers, you know, Annie Lamott and Amy Tanga's there every year, and it's like you get to see the same writers over and over, and so it, it really is like camp. Everything except I don't write my name in my underwear, but... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody but you write does. your name in the books, yeah, though. And yeah. Somebody else does that. Somebody else does that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Mark Childress is a new novel called uh, One Mississippi, also author of Crazy in Alabama and V for Victory, and uh, that uh, other one inspired by his uh, time in Costa Rica called Gone for Good. And uh, you can find a link to his website, markchildress.com, at our website, wcl.org. Thanks so much for being on West Coast. Thanks, Thanks sir. Pleasure. Thanks. Mark Childress. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.